Tyreek Hill has set early retirement plans ahead of time while Joe Mixon is trying to end his career early. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros, and we do have a great show planned for you guys tonight. As I have mentioned previously, Tyreek Hill is set to retire. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the Bengals just in general this offseason, not just Joe Mixon, but also Jamar Chase a little bit and how this team is. Some of these star players are just trying to make things go wrong for them. And of course, we're also going to talk the Lions in their draft again um, and joining us to cover all of these topics. Coming back for the show for the third time, we have special guest Jack Hartman. Jack, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, CJ, for having me back. Um, super excited to uh, to talk some ball um, and uh, and talk about the draft here in a little bit. Uh, and it's slow off season, as as you guys, you know, we've we talked about a little bit, but uh, but drafts just around the corner, which means it's going to ramp up. And super excited. So, absolutely, man. I cannot wait to cover the draft. It's always a great time, and we have a co-host here. CJ, you know me. I'm a big draft guy. Like every ten seconds during April, I'm I'm surprised he hasn't done it enough. I'm I'm pretty sure it's just because I've let him know that it pisses me off that he keeps doing that. But next week, yeah, next week. All right. Well, we're gonna jump right into it. So Tyreek Hill has announced on a recent podcast that he is going to retire. In 2025, when his contract with the Dolphins ends, and I don't know about you guys, but when I thought about it, I mean, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense for Tyreek. So this is a guy who, just in his in his play style, he relies on his speed, right? Once that goes, then he's not the same player anymore. But, so I, I think that's a really good idea for him. And, you know, he'll be 31 once his contract is up. He's playing in Miami. I mean, that's practically a retirement home. Great place to hang up to hang up uh, hang up the cleats here. So, and he seems to enjoy himself there. Ever since he's been there, he's said he he's said nothing but nice things. He's making friends with all the players. He's having a great time over there. Not that he didn't in Kansas City where they were winning every other year, but this is a fairly competitive ball club, and they could win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. So. This is a pretty solid decision for him if he does decide to go through with this. And, you know, this is he probably won't be uh the same player if he does play past 2025 when he's when he's 31. So, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is a good decision for him. Uh Jack, do you want to go? No, go ahead. Oh, huh. Well, this is something. Now, Thing is with Tyreek Hill, as a fan of an AFC East team, I applaud this. I swear to God, if he's lying, I'm gonna cry. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't seem like he is, but yeah. The but now, but now that we know we Tyreek Hill does have like a retirement date in mind, I don't know who would be more scared, the Miami fan base or his son. But you know, that's a. Uh, that's a conversation we can have for another day. So, I, I don't know. This is just kind of like a weird situation. I don't think I've really ever heard a player say this before. He's like, all right, and the next, like these coming years, I'm done. 
it's just I, I'm honestly kind of at a loss for words. Like this is so unprecedented. And I want to pose a question to you guys. Uh, what do you think the odds are that he's lying? I don't. I don't think that he's lying. I think he could change his mind. I mean, okay, I, yeah. he changes his mind. I think that's the best way to put it. Because, yeah. like, I don't think who would just lie about that. That's just there's no motive to actually lie about retiring like three years from now. It just it just wouldn't make it would be two years, but it just wouldn't make sense. Like it, yeah. he could change his mind and feel, you know, I like it here in Miami or may, like maybe I want to go ring chase somewhere else, join a team for a year or two. I mean, yeah, I think may, he might change his mind. I think if anything, him saying that like intentionally lying, um, if anything, would just hurt him um, because then you know, maybe, maybe after this year, the dolphins, it's like, bam, next year is the year. We just need this one piece. Right. And, you know, instead of them thinking about getting that one piece, they're thinking about, you know, come draft time, come free agency. They're thinking about, we should really lock down a wide receiver because Tyree kills done this year. Um, we could even potentially trade him before the trade deadline to get some, get something out of him. You know, so I feel like if anything, if he were, you know, the only angle that would be the reason for him to lie about this is to hopefully encourage the Dolphins to, you know, be a little more aggressive in getting guys to compete. But I think if anything, he would just be hurting himself um, by the, by doing that because they, I think they'd just be trying to find, okay, how do we, how do we live life beyond Tyreek Hill um, in this situation? Yeah. Um, the only the only example of something like this that comes to mind is, and this is kind of crossing sports. It's Kevin Durant. Uh, when he was 30, he was on the golden state warriors at the time. And he said that he wanted to only play till 35 and he would hang it up. He's 34 right now. I'm not sure exactly when his, so his birthday is September 29th, which would mean he's turning 35 that would mean this upcoming season is going to be his last. So I don't even I don't know if maybe he changed his mind or maybe he was just saying that and he right. forgot. But maybe that's kind of a, a type of situation. He's just kind of talking and he's just feeling himself right now. You know, he's feeling the place he's at. Also, what do you what do you think about what this says about the place that he's in now in Miami? fact that he says he wants to retire after his contract ends does that tell you does that speak to miami in a negative manner or maybe a positive where he j he's happy and he wants to end on a high note i'm just trying to think about that here i could see it going both ways um like like on the one hand uh yeah, you know, most most guys, you know, most of the really, really big guys, but, but I mean, guys in general, but the the really, really, you know, all pro, you know, pro bowl, those big name superstar dudes, they always want to get that one more ring before they retire. And normally it's pretty obvious that, that that's the thing that's keeping them from retiring. Um, you know, uh, like, you know, you look at Brady. I mean, Brady's an interesting situation because he did come back. Um, but the reason that I think that he didn't hang it up after, you know, he left the Patriots and went somewhere else is because he was like, 
I want one more ring and to stick it to New England a little bit um, and Bill Belichick. But you, you know, you look at um, all across sports, you know, the, the reason that Tim Duncan waited so long, he wanted that one more ring when he was with the Spurs, you know, so a lot of guys. So I think in a way it could be negative because it just, he's, he's saying that without there really seem like in a way him saying that also implies that he's not sure the dolphins are ever going to get there. Um, um, but also at the same time, it could just be, you know, it could be looked on the positive, just like I've had quite the career. I'm really enjoying my time here. And I want to go out on a high note where I'm one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league. I'm, I have a max deal. You know, I'm not bouncing around with these one year deals like Odell Beckham Jr. is right now you know, and just really, really go out on a high note and enjoying Miami, you know? So I think, I really think it could be looked at either way, um, just depending on, you know, what perspective, what perspective you're looking at it from. Yeah. I'm kind of just thinking out loud when I'm, when I bring up that question of whether or not it's a positive or negative thing about the place he's in, but also looking at it on, on the other end towards the negative side if it is negative and he does believe that he could just never win a ring here, he would say he wants to retire a lot sooner than in 2025, right? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, they're paying him well, you know, <laughs> they're paying yeah, him well. Um, he hasn't health wise. He's been surprisingly a lot healthier than most wide receivers that, you know, have had as many miles on them as he has. Um, so, you know, there, there isn't the, you know, sort of the ailments or the, you know, has blown his ACL enough times and the doctors are like, if this happens one more time, you know, it's like done, done, you know, and you're walking with a cane for the rest of your life or anything like that. So I, I think the money's there that would, that would keep him from doing that. Um, but, you know, I could be wrong, you know, obviously I've never been in that position. <laughs> so. Nice. Yeah. It, that's that's a fair point. So I mean, we'll we'll see if he even go if he even goes through with it. He might change his mind and just think I I, I mean twenty a lot can change in a couple of years. He could be saying, you know, I feel like I could play a few more years at a high level. A lot of athletes do, and mm -hmm. they go in ring chase and they say here, hey, I want to go to uh, a, a Buffalo or you know, a Kansas city again to go right. ring chase again with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes, something like that. Um, unless maybe the dolphins get good and they get like really good with Tua. And then, you know, he decides I want to win a couple here and, you know, maybe it'll be 2025. They'll be at the height of their championship contention. He'll say, I want to stick around here. This is, this looks yeah. like something I want to be a part of. All right. Well, I wanted to change gears, and we're going from one one wide receiver who is looking to end his career early to another running back who's probably looking to end his career early, not in a positive way. Joe Mixon is getting has gotten in a little bit of trouble this offseason, and he has been recharged for his uh, for his charges that he faced earlier on this offseason. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Here's Edelman broken up, and the pass is no sign yet. Edelman comes down with a football. They're saying it's a catch. 
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, special guest Jack Hartman. So, Bengals running back Joe Mixon, according to the Cincinnati Police Department, has been recharged for misdemeanor. So he was originally charged back on February 2nd uh, for the uh, for these charges, and they were di- they were dismissed on February 3rd. The, the incident allegedly happened on January 21st uh, per a complaint. And so this guy, ugh. I mean, listen, just the Bengals as a whole, they have been a team that's been on the up and up. Things have been looking great. They could win a Super Bowl anytime in the next couple of years. And it feels like they're doing everything they possibly can to screw it up especially Joe Mixon. And earlier on this offseason, there was also Jamar Chase. His ex-girlfriend revealed that he has information that could end his career. I mean, what the hell is going on over there? Why, why can't we just behave ourselves, win a Super Bowl, and have a nice life? Why do we have to get in trouble with the law? I know that's a stupid question to ask, but it's a stupid thing these players are doing. What are you doing? And we were talking a bit off camera about this, me, CJ, Jack, before we were starting. I mean, it's not just the the Bengals. There's other players as well. Alvin Kamara got in trouble last Pro Bowl with beating somebody up before or after a game. I forget when. I think it was before. Then he was on camera bragging about it. What are you doing? Like, he's one of the star players in this league. People, fans... Children, look up to this guy. And he is sitting here on camera bragging about beating somebody up. It's, it's, it really is unbelievable, especially for these Bengals who, it, like, everything is going great. Why would you try to ruin it? But I don't know what you guys think. I'll throw it to you, Jack. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this just looks a lot like what the Raiders have been for, like, the last – five to seven years um just always always sort of finding tools um that you know are good at their craft but they aren't good people off the field um and not necessarily caring about the other stuff um or just having a blind spot to to this stuff when it comes to it um so when it comes to like the Bengals specifically um, I just think that this is just the, the reason that this is different and it's getting talked about uh, more and more recognizable with the Bengals themselves than it was with the Raiders is that the Bengals are good, um, you know, and that, you know, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that, you know, the Raiders, you know, Henry Ruggs got arrested for, you know, uh, for the driving. Um, you know, they had guys like Vontae's Perfect, who, you know, was notoriously bad person on the field and off the field. Um, but at the same time, he did come from Cincinnati, you know? So, so I think that there are just a few teams, you know, Las Vegas, Cincinnati, um, Cleveland more, you know, more as of late um, that just, you know, aren't, don't care as much, you know, and, and are thinking about how, like, listen, you know, we're, you want us to be the moral standard, but to our fans, if we don't get a championship, you're going to be mad at us. So, you know, we, we're going to have to sacrifice one for the other. And unfortunately, bringing in a championship is going to bring in more money for the organization 
um, than, you know, being, being a morally, uh, having good moral stature <laughs> as an organization. Um, yeah. Yeah. And kind of touching on your point of these Bengals standards of players that they pick. I mean, we, we also talked on camera, uh, excuse me, off camera that the Bengals were, they didn't even touch on their position of need because uh, when they were in 2021, when they were supposed to pick um, Jim, the, when the Bengals were supposed to pick uh, offensive line and go Penny Sewell, everyone in their mother had them pick, had them picking him and they went for the big shiny object in Jamar chase. So if they're willing to ignore even their positional needs for the, for the talented dynamic wide receiver who might may or may not be the best person in the world. And also Joe Burrow's best buddy. I mean, it's not far fetched to believe that maybe these guys are, are, they're shoving things under the rug. They know, they know more than, uh, than we do about these guys, but they don't care. And they're just looking for the championship. I mean, it's, and it's, it's been this way with the Bengals for a while. I mean, they weren't a very likable team for a long time. Especially yeah. on defense. I mean, Vontez Perfect was known for being a dirty player who was just, uh, just a bad guy, just dirty, dirty plays left and right, made Antonio Brown go insane. Adam Pacman Jones wasn't the best guy either. Nope. And the list goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, I just I, I do agree with you when you say that. The Cincinnati Bengals obviously know more, obviously know a lot more than we do, and I think you're darn right when you say that they are just going to sweep this all under the rug if it means they could get a ring. You know, because let's face yeah. it, we all want our athletes to be good people, but good morals don't exactly win you rings. So, however, there's a cost. You, let's just say you win a ring with uh, Chase and Mixon. In a way, you kind of sell your soul. It's kind of like what I. It's kind of like I think Jack said this off camera, where now if the Browns win a ring with Watson, like that's great, but you sold your soul to do it. Like you want a ring with an objectively horrible human. It's kind of hollow, no? Yeah, it's amazing how much we have said it on camera. It, it just tells you how how uh, it just tells you how important it is to be comfortable when there's a camera around because some of the best points are made. This is just a side note, but some of the best points are made when there's no camera and no one can, there's no proof that we said it. So we have to say we said off camera. I, I can't tell you how many times on this show that's happened. Oh, we, we were talking off camera and we brought this up and we're recapping what happened before the show when we were getting ready for it. That's just that's that's I just found that to be interesting. But that's a side note. It, and it's it's kind of the same way with a lot of the league. I mean, all these kind of lo uh, lower tier teams who are just trying to get to the top desperately. You had the you I mean, you had the Houston Texans as well. I mean, they've never been known as a, you know, a well thought of franchise at least competitive uh, competition-wise. And they drafted they drafted one of the biggest sex offenders of all in uh, Hugh, uh, Deshaun Watson. And a lot of the stuff I, I know that it only just came out now, but a lot of the stuff happened allegedly around when he was in college. 
So that could kind of tell you that the Texans knew something. They knew something. And they took him anyways. He turned out to be a superstar, so they're great talent evalu- evaluators. But he did it. He's, they knew that he wasn't the best guy. Then he wanted out. And then all of a sudden, once he got out, he wanted out, all the, it, everything just gets leaked. That's interesting. That's interesting. I wonder if they knew all this stuff. They swept it under the rug and they let it go public as soon as he wanted to leave, which is kind of petty. But, I mean, if you want him out of there, then that's one way to do it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, there are there are other teams. And another thing we were talking about off camera is, you know, on the player's side of just being stupid. You know, there, there have been teams that there are guys that have issues off the field when they're in college who slip back in where they're going to get drafted. But at the same time, you always know they're going to get drafted. You know, like like Micah Parsons was one of those. He had some serious allegations against him, not just allegations, like things that he actually did and were proven to be true that were like, holy crap, like, oh, like this is not good. And, you know, fell back, but only so far, um, you know, still got still got taken in the in the first round by the Cowboys. Um, another example. And this just goes to show that the Cowboys are also one of these teams is Dak Prescott. The reason that he was taken as late as he was in the draft, the reason he was taken on the third day, um, I think third day, I think he was fourth round. Maybe it was third yeah, round. Yeah, he was fourth um, round. You're right. Yeah. The reason he was taken that late is also because he had some off-the-field issues. Um, now, granted, those off-the-field issues took him from being like a second-round pick to a fourth-round pick instead of, you know, a top-five pick to a, you know, second-round or, or late first-round. But still, like, you know, they're – there, there are other teams that do this, and, you know, the reason we haven't talked about the Cowboys with this yet is because, you know, and knock on wood, pray to God that it's still the case, Dak Prescott and Micah Parsons have cleaned up their act and and, and nothing has happened. You know, we can only say yeah. that because we haven't heard of anything, as as we you've pointed out earlier. Um, but, you know, there I think there are lots of teams that sort of fall into this category um, and there are a lot of players that, yeah, just do stupid, stupid things. Um, and I think you can only attribute, you know, being in the spotlight and, you know, what do I do? Like, how do I, how do I cope with this so much? Um, I think another great, exa- like a great example of that, um, you know, when you look, you know, outside of the NFL is what's happened recently with John Morant uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and the, the, some not good stuff that has happened you know, off the, off the court outside of the team facilities uh, with him and how like, yes, he's a young kid. You know, I think maybe he just turned 21, um, but you know, he was one of those one and done guys. So, you know, was in the league at 19, you know um, and, and it's just, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the, the spotlight got to him, you know, and different people cope with that in different ways. Um, But you can only attribute that so far before it's like, Nonetheless, you need to start facing the ramifications for for these actions. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. And no, Adam, I start talking first. Don't give me that. Look. Go, go ahead. I was just going to bring up uh, another one that I thought you were going to bring up, but didn't. Uh, Jalen Carter. Yeah. You know, for the Georgia Bulldogs, his gross negligence literally literally resulted in the deaths of one of his teammates, and ninety percent chance he goes in the top ten. Yeah, 
I'll, um, I also, I just wanted to look at this in a different narrative. Um, just going, just tracing back to the Bengals here with all of this happening. Do you think there's any chance that the, the Bengals in the first round or even second round go running back? Because I've been, I've been thinking that they should go corner because they've filled pretty much all their other needs. Um, so if they went corner, it would make sense because they don't really have a legitimate number one guy. Um, but if they went, if they went Bijan Robinson at number one, it's a pretty good rushing attack that he leads, especially with that revamped offensive line. Or they could go no, or they could go second round and take Jameer Gibbs. Yep. He would he would go early in the second round, but you could still trade up. So that's that's a possible route they could take. If that does happen, then that basically proves that everything that's happening is true. Would it not? Yeah. Yeah. There and there are some other guys that um are going to be available even later that are that are serious talent um that you know CJ I'm sure I'm sure you know about these guys you've been doing your draft analysis or pre-draft analysis but you have guys like Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State um Sean, Sean Tucker, Tucker out of Syracuse my guy you know I'm a Syracuse Yeah or, fan, or what about know? uh uh, Rashawn Johnson, you know, the guy who backs up Bijan Robinson, who could start in his own right. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of running backs that I think I, I mean, I've, you know, I am always weary of taking a running back in the first round, um, you know, with, with the, you know, chiefs win uh, in the super bowl, I think like since 2000, you know, looking at the, the highest rut uh, rusher for, the uh, Super Bowl champion, they've all been paid under like $4,000 a year. Um, part of that's because of, you know, not letting guys get to their, uh, you know, get to that second contract where with running backs where it gets, you know, dicey. Um, but also just because, you know, the the first round running backs, you know, you, you got to be careful about that because you're sacrificing elsewhere. So I like the idea of Cincinnati taking, um, yeah, taking a corner, um, maybe taking an offensive lineman um, just because it's it's shown. I mean, you know, they revamped their offensive line after their Super Bowl season, right? You know, and look at Joe Burrow is still running around for his life, you know. So maybe maybe they learn a little more and like not only revamp, but let's let's get some depth there. But I I really think that it makes sense, especially because they lost Samaji Pirine in free agency. Um, you know, they they need they definitely need more help at that position. So, yeah. And, and like, also to your point about running backs, it's just such an easy po- position to address. It feels like you're going to, you can plug in any guy off the streets and they will produce. And it's like, it, it's pretty hard to be bad on the run, the rushing side, because a lot of guys can actually can run the ball effectively through the draft. I mean, uh, us as Patriots fans, me and CJ, our uh, the Patriots' top running back was the four, oh, fourth round pick, and right. Damian Harris before him, their their previous one, number one running back, he was a third round pick, and yeah. I think the worst of the three of uh, uh, the f- worst of the past few running uh, backs that they've had was Sony Michelle, who was the first round pick. So right. it's not to say that the running backs don't pan out at the first round. It's just there's more important positions to address. Like there's just yeah. some positions you just don't take in the first round. You don't take a guard. You don't take a center. You don't take a running back. You just right. don't do that because 
You can do that in later rounds and still get the same production. Absolutely. But tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, corners, say, uh, even safeties to an extent, like those are positions that are hard to those are hard to replace. Tight end as well, but that position is falling off so fast. The 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 art of a great tight end, the Rob Gronkowski's of the world, those are falling off, and it's it's sad. But yeah, so. that position's so top heavy. The the other thing to real quick to put a bow on this is that, um, you know, to your point about the about running backs being able to make it work, no matter you know what where you get them and how you get them, is that you could have Bijan Robinson, and if you don't have an offensive line, he can't do anything. I mean, I think like a really great you know look at that is Najee Harris the last couple of years with the Steelers. Don't get me wrong; he's been productive. And he's been insanely productive considering how atrocious the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line has been as of late. Got better last year compared to the year before, but still, you know, but if you've got an offensive line that is solid, you can, I mean, heck, you can make anybody look good. You know, like, I mean, who knows? Maybe Isaiah Pacheco was just, you know, the the diamond in the rough that nobody knew about. But I could also see a world where he goes to a team that doesn't have that great of an offensive line and he's, you know, the third running back on the depth chart, you know, but the Chiefs had that offensive line that made him look insane, especially in the Super Bowl, you know, so the the O-line is where, you know, your running game is going to come from, not not from a dynamic running back. Yeah. Um, so now that we are on the topic of the draft, I want to transition into that real quick with our next segment which is Jack's guest segment, and we are going to talk about the Lions taking with the number six overall pick and how that selection could be the linchpin that will shape the entire draft class this year. That's next. You won't want to miss it. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Seek a Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, special guest Jack Hartman. So for our last segment, we are on the guest segment of the show. Sponsored by Secret Weapon Consulting for business plans, secret shoppers, bar spotting, server and manager training, and so much more, visit www.secretweaponconsulting.com. So Jack is going to talk about the Lions and how are they they are going to use the number six overall pick. Jack, what do you got? Yeah, so obviously the last time that you guys saw me, I was on as the uh, Browns fan when we talked about the craziness that is always is the AFC North. Um, and now, as you can sort of guess and tell, I am, in fact, a Lions fan. Um, it had a lot to do with, you know, obviously the Deshaun Watson, Watson situation. I'm not going to get into that a ton, but 
you want to know the details, feel free to, you know, DM me and we can, I'll, I'll talk to you about that. But to get into where we are right now, the Lions are sitting at the number six overall pick in the draft, courtesy of the Rams um, that they got in the Matthew Stafford trade, which depending on which side of the that trade you're looking at, you know, uh, you might think the Rams won that trade because they did get the Super Bowl. But you also look where they are now, and they sold their soul for that Super Bowl. And the Lions have gotten insane production out of Jared Goff, much more than every single person thought when, when that trade went down. So here we are looking at the draft. And the Lions have had, um, you know, we've it's been talked about here on this podcast, have had such an incredible uh, offseason. Um, granted, as Adam keeps stating, they did have a lot to work off, work with. Um, and but you got to give them credit for for as it appears to the eye right now, making the most of that um, and not necessarily doing anything to really mess that up. So we're getting to the draft. The Lions are sitting at six. What are they going to do to get to that? We got to start with the first five picks. So at one and two, we know we're not sure how, but we're you know 95 percent sure that's going to be C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Um, I've heard reports that the Panthers are definitely going to take CJ Stroud. See reports that the Panthers are definitely going to take Bryce Young. I've heard reports that Frank Reich likes Anthony Richardson more than either of them. That's shocking to me and I'm not sure that I buy it, but regard, but also in that same report that he's being outvoted by everybody else that likes CJ Stroud. So that's not going to happen, but we do know Bryce Young, CJ Stroud going one and two, the order We'll find out then, but we know that that's what's happening. You have the Cardinals sitting at three, who everybody sort of expects is going to take Will Anderson. I think that would be a great pick for them. I think that he probably is the most talented player in the draft, in my opinion. Um, but if you have a need a quarterback, you have to take a quarterback before doing that. Then we get to four, which is the Indianapolis Colts. All signs are sort of pointing to Will Levis. Some people are saying Anthony Richardson, but it's most likely going to be Will Levis. Let me get to five with Seattle. And Seattle, in my opinion, has done a great job of convincing the whole world that they are going to take a quarterback, that they're going to take Anthony Richardson if he's still there or Will Levis if he's still there or maybe even Hendon Hooker. People are talking about Seattle taking Hendon Hooker. And in my opinion, I am 100% confident and I am willing to be wrong. And if we get to draft night and I'm wrong, feel free to call me out, pin me back to this episode and call me out. But I'm willing to say with 100% certainty, the Seattle Seahawks are not going to take a quarterback. They're not going to take a quarterback because they signed Geno Smith to this three-year deal. Not only did they sign him to a three-year deal, they signed him to a three-year deal in which the, the later in the deal that he's there, the more money that they're going to have to pay him. They're going to draft a quarterback now to prepare for the future they would do that moving in the opposite direction um, so that they pay him more now and it slowly gets cheaper so that they can get to the point where they cut him, trade him. It's easier to get him off the roster. So here's where the Lions come in at six. When Seattle does not select a quarterback, when they select Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson or Devin Witherspoon or the uh, Rodriguez, the DB out of Oregon, whoever it might be that they take, though I don't think they're going to take a DB. I think it's Gonzalez. I don't yeah, know. it is Christian Gonzalez. Gonzalez, my apologies, my apologies. Everybody's going to be turning to the Lions. 
and everybody who is back there farther that's in rebuild on the cusp of rebuild but had a good season so they aren't so far back um knows that they've they they can step up and get that last quarterback or one of two last quarterbacks if you know all the other teams are are buying into Hendon Hooker the way it seems some teams are it's going to hit the point that the Lions are going to be getting phone calls on draft night the Lions are not going to take a quarterback the Lions shouldn't take a quarterback the Lions are sitting in a great spot with Jared Goff right now they were a Baker Mayfield interception and overtime away from making the playoffs last year. If he hadn't thrown that pick in the game against Seattle, they might win that game and the Lions get in by beating the Packers. On top of that, they've just shown so much progress in our building and our building and our building. And Jared Goff is part of that. Jared Goff is not the last thing holding them back. He's one of the things that is pushing them forward. And the numbers show that. The Lions are not going to take a quarterback. That means the Lions could use the six overall pick and take one of those dynamic DBs uh, to, to bolster that a little bit, take a defensive lineman, take a defensive end to pair with Aiden Hutchison. Um, they do have a spot in, in the middle linebacker position, though I don't think there's a middle linebacker up that high that, that would be worth taking at six. Or you're going to have teams like Las Vegas, like Tampa Bay, like – some of these others, potentially Minnesota, though the Lions probably wouldn't deal with Minnesota, but they traded Hawkinson there, so maybe they would deal with Minnesota. But other teams, they're going to be looking to draft that quarterback once they realize he's not going to Seattle. And so the Lions are going to get calls. And in my opinion, what I think the Lions should do, again, who's to say what they will do? The draft is crazy. Who, who knows? But what the Giants should do, or Lions should do, is trade that pick with Tampa Bay. And in return, get Tampa Bay's pick at 18, get Vita Vea, because the, Tampa Bay is on a rebuild. They are. They can't. They're, they are losing guys. They lost Leonard Fournette. Their guys are getting old. They're not winning games. Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. They couldn't win games with Tom Brady. There's no reason to think that they can win games with Baker Mayfield. And I think that Tampa Bay could be a team that looks and sees, oh, Anthony Richardson is still there. They know him. They saw him play in Florida. Um, you know, for some reason, teams are enthralled with Anthony Richardson because of his athleticism. But I think it was Dan Orlovsky said, better than I could have ever put it, that it doesn't matter how athletic you are if you can't throw the football. So that's my take on Anthony Richardson. As you guys have talked a lot about him, that's my take on him. But I digress. I think Tampa okay. Bay would be a team that would go get him. And then that leaves the Lions there back at 18 and 19, but also sets the tone for the rest of the draft because now other teams are looking like, okay, that quarterback's gone, but also the Lions have moved back. What are they What are they trying to do? Other team, And there are other teams that could trade up into that spot too, that it's also going to really, really change the dynamic of the draft. Teams that maybe people thought were going to take a defensive lineman, a defensive back, trade up to get that quarterback. And now there's a lot of finagling that's happening the rest of the way through. So, Okay. So, so to clarify, so this would be – so they would get Vita Vea in, an, in a first round and the – Buccaneers first round pick out of this that potentially potentially more I could see them wanting more I, I'd be happy if they got more 
Um, but those would obviously Tampa be the wouldn't two. do that though. Vita Vea and a first. Vita I'm Vea crazy. is on the last year of his contract. I'm at Tampa. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. It's yeah. it's a thought. So it's it's a thought and something that I that I've seen um, and heard a few people talking about a potential in uh, in their mock drafts because the Lions do have a need at interior defensive linemen. Um, they do have a need at at uh, you know outside defensive linemen on the other side of Hutchison as well. Not necessarily a need. Like like I said in my comment about who had the best offseason, I said the, that the Lions did. They filled their gaps, and now they just have places to improve upon. But that's one of the places that they need to improve upon, for sure. Their their run defense was atrocious last year, um, and it all culminated in that game against Carolina, where Carolina whooped them because Chuba Hubbard ran for, like, 200 yards or something. So – I, so I I think I I think that it's that it could I I do really think that it could happen. I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibilities. I don't think that it's an atrocious suggestion that that Tampa Bay would do that and that the Lions would be willing to to, to meet that offer. Okay, so with this in mind, so they so in this in this scenario, so they get Vita Vea, they address their interior of the defensive line, so. Then they still have picks eighteen and nineteen. So who are what are they doing at uh, at those spots? Do they go defensive back? Do they go? Do they double up and continue to address the interior of that defensive line? Do they go? Uh, do they go defensive end and go for to uh, fortify that pass rush? What are we doing over there? I think. And, and that's where that's another part where, like I was saying about the way what the Lions could do with six if they do this trade shapes everything, because then, it, you know, what are other teams going to do once, you know, if if the if other teams are thinking the Lions are taking, you know, Miles Murphy, no doubt, you know, the Lions are taking Devin Witherspoon, you know, no doubt, you know, and they and they move back, then a lot of other teams, some of their top defensive guys just became a little more available. Um, so I think it depends on what's there. I personally like trying to find a way. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe Michael Mayer is there, the tight end out of um, Notre Dame. Um, you know, like we were talking about, the true tight end position is sort of dying. However, you still need somebody, and the Lions currently have nobody. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, defensive end um, or or another defensive interior. I've seen I've seen some mocks that have Brian Brzee out of Clemson dropping that far. Um, you know, and and there's there's reason for that, but he's still he's still got the talent that he does. You know, might be might be a worthy pick. Wouldn't be at six, but potentially back at eighteen or nineteen. Um, you know, there are some DBs. Um, I really I really really like Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Um, and especially considering I want the Lions to get Jack Campbell in the second round for, for that middle linebacker position. Um, it would be really cool to see them pair those two together. But it really just d- does just sort of depend. Once you get that far, what are other teams going to do? And how does, how does you know, the, there's always one like sort of crazy trade that happens on draft night that, that sort of like changes things for some teams and what they're going to do. Um, so it, it really comes down to who's left. Um, but I really like, I really like the idea of getting a tight end. If, if mayor is there, if not hold off, 
um, and and finding finding a defensive lineman, whether it's D end or or D tackle, um, to fit in there because the this draft is also littered with talented DBs, um, especially corner. Um, that that there are going to be some available when you get to you know pick forty nine I think or maybe fifty one or the line is the line's second round pick, um, so yeah that's my thought. Yeah, so I'm just thinking a little bit here, but what do you think of the so Vita Vea? I have no issue with that because he's also you know Vita Vea is he's in the last year of his contract, but it is a it is a need for them, but what if they were, because it's the number six pick and when you're trading that far back, what if you were to ask for Devin white in return to trade back over there? I mean, I, you know, I, I never wanted to, I, I haven't thought that greedy. <laughs> um, I was, I've always thought more, you know, with, with that pick, you know, with that potential trade and, um, you know, get Vita Vea their first and, you know, a second or third as well. Um, but Hey, I would love first and, and that, <laughs> you know, that would also be an insane, uh, insane combo to get. And then you're looking at, you know, you hit 18, 19 and you do get, you know, Brizzy for sure to, to fortify defensive interior. And, you know, you're maybe you're able to get Lucas Van Ness. I've seen somewhere miles Murphy for some reason drops really far back. Um, you know, or, you know, there are other, other edge rushers, but I mean, that, that also, I think, I think either way you go, you're winning in that situation. So, oh yeah, definitely. And you, you would not, it's, it would, it would call me crazy, feel essentially like you're drafting with three first round picks because not only are you, not only are you getting the guy that you need Vita Vea. Because you need a you need a tackle on the interior to really be able to uh, hold down that uh, that running game for uh, for opposing teams, but you also get still two first round picks out of it, which you already have. So you're essentially right. getting another first round pick out of it, which would be the Vita Vea. So yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I kind of like that idea. And <laughs> I think the only I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, I think the only issue that I would have is just that. He's on a he's on a one year contract. I'm I'm one of the type I'm one of the people that I mean obviously not as far as apparently Sean McVay and the Rams are concerned, but I'm one of the people that does think that teams value draft picks uh, a little more than they necessarily should. So granted, this is different because Vita Vea is on the last year of his contract, and you know then he hits free agency if we can't re-sign him. Um, and he has to go, you know, elsewhere and, or he gets to go elsewhere, but yeah, he's also a guy that's proven, proven what he can do, proven at the pro level that he can be a dominant defensive lineman, where as some of these guys, you might draft, you know, maybe the, maybe the Lions do draft Brian Brzee and he ends up not actually being, you know, being one of yeah. the guys that that's held back a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's, that's fair. Either way, the, the Lions are winning this. Um, but we do have to end the show tonight. Do we have any other thoughts? We are up against the clock here. No, Nothing. thanks. Thanks so much for having me and let me talk, <laughs> talk lions. Absolutely. It's fun. <laughs> Definitely, man. Always great to have you on. Always great to talk some football. We'd love to have you on again soon. Happy draft season, man.
Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Is All right. That'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to tune in, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week over and out.